Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Welcome to November. Starting out green amid a lot of news. Reports of China's plan to reopen. Earnings from SoFi, Uber, Pfizer, Lilly, $30 billion in M&A today. And a Fed meeting begins. Bonds are rallying all around the world. Our roadmap begins with the new month for stocks after that strong October. Futures point to a higher open as investors await some new tea leaves from the Fed and these rumors of China COVID easing. Plus, Biden versus big oil, the president calling on companies to, quote, stop war profiteering or face the possibility of a new windfall tax. And J&J's heart boost. It is buying the cardiovascular tech company Abiumed. It's a $16.6 billion all-cash deal. Let's begin with that new month of trading and the Fed set to kick off its two-day policy meeting today. Jim, we've had multiple reports this week that disinflation has begun. Bonds starting to tick below the three-month average. Yes, and let's not forget that a lot of fiscal years for mutual funds, 50% of the mutual funds had their fiscal year end uh, at the end of October, which means that you might have seen some sell-off in some stocks that people seriously don't want to show that they own including some traditional techs. So you'll see those bounce. We talked about Meta's action yesterday. Yeah. yeah uh, worst acting stock in the S&P, and I think deservedly. Uh, I think that one of the things, and David, you, you know this, mm. uh, you've got a deal. It's very small. It's, it's Simon Schuster merging with Penguin. I only mention that because I have Kroger tonight, which is, uh, you know, Albertsons. Albertsons. Right. And, Your point is this, uh, and we're going to talk a bit about it later in the show, but uh, a deal that many anticipated would be opposed by the government was, and they prevailed in court. Well, so how about um, if a BMED, namely the. Well, how about if, they just, if the government decides to be a med, which I think is, this is a terrific acquisition. I've had them on many times. Yeah. Uh, it, and J&J, J&J could be in that business. So why can. Well, that's I'm not, saying that nothing. There's no overlaps in the J&J Abiumed. Right, so, uh, Abiumed. Sorry. It's such Abiumed an important deal. deal. And the Abby reason why it's important deal is because J&J is splitting into two. And a lot of yes. remember, they're going into the consumer group, which is doing fine. And then they're going into MedTech and Pharma. MedTech had been disappointing to some, not me. MedTech was growing at 8%. This should take it to 10%. And, David, they have some of your favorite things. They have CVRs, which I know you like very much. They do. They have a CVR that extends over seven years. It's actually somewhat problematic for portfolio managers. Right. Basically, you're seeing a stock that's going to trade right at the price. So if you're a risk arb, for example, you buy it right here. Well, you're getting 380 in cash when it closes, which, by the way, could be before the end of the year. Isn't As I said, there's no overlaps. It's a tender offer. However, you're also stuck with this non-tradable CVR that you're not going to see the money on for, well, seven years. Who's going to be in their job seven years from now? So it is somewhat problematic from the perspective well, of those oh, okay, who would actually okay. play the stock. But separately, it's a big deal. It's a big Strategic M&A transaction. Of course, it's J&J. So when it comes to financing, we don't really think a lot about it. How are they financing it? Well, commercial paper right now. Uh, some cash. Short-term from, oh, commercial some cash paper. The balance sheet. And some cash. So uh, pretty easy for them. Of course, 
Uh, they have more than $30 billion in cash. Yeah, yes. and they've got a very high credit. I don't know if they're still AAA, AAA but the they're AAA, like the only AAA. They're, they're so, Duracell. Only Duracell. Um, but your, your point's an interesting one. You know, J&J is going to split next year. Uh, they've got a name for it, right? Kenview is going to be the consumer company. Well, that's Scottish. And, and uh, this bulks up. This bulks up the company. That's, that's why I like it so much. Now, Under J- its new CEO as new well. CEO. Alex I mean, Gorsley, things, not CEO. I, I think the one of the, I'm nothing hilarious about this, but the Fed's raised, 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 right? So, Carl, uh, initially the deal is going to be not accretive. Why? Because J&J is making so much money on its cash. That is, an, you know, that's one of those unintended, <laughs> unintended consequences of J-PAL's attempt to be able to slow the economy is that J&J was making so much money on its cash. So I love the deal because my Chapel Trust owns it and was I was most concerned about MedTech and this alleviates it. Remember, they have a life-saving pump. When you're operating, in, you have to stop the heart and that's when most people die. Uh, and if you have something that makes it so the heart can continue to pump and they have that, then this is probably one of the most important devices, 15 million people cardiovascular. So uh, I just think it's a great deal for J&J. People think they overpaid, but this Well, makes- it's a billion dollars right now, but they believe it's early in its growth uh, trajectory. So Absolutely. they're paying over 16 times current sales. But, I mean, as the, you know, I'm being honored this year for the baby's heart front up at Columbia at uh, Columbia Presbyterian, and when you're, this, you know, if you can prevent death, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to prevent death at that moment of heart transplant, that moment of cardiovascular, and that that company is the hope. How about the fuller picture of M&A today? Sealed Air, Atlas, Victoria's Secret, a lot of strategic bolt-on M&A happening. Well, I, I think that, you know, I defer to David on this, but there's a lot of ways, this is nice growth. Buying growth in an atmosphere where growth's hard to come by. Yeah, and listen, negotiating a price for anything in in this kind of an environment with the volatility we've seen where there's still so many questions about next year and earnings is not the easiest thing to do. So there is a pace of M&A that is perhaps a bit surprising in terms of how robust it is. It is down sharply from last year, which was a record year. But why now, David? And by the way, the backlogs going into next year are not particularly good, but companies need to do things and they're not necessarily just stopping in their tracks. Uh, you still have prices uh, uh, gating issue, and to your point earlier, you still also have to consider the antitrust implications of any deal in a more serious way than you might have previously, right. because the U.S. government, the FTC, the DOJ are both being quite aggressive still, even with a lot of recent losses. The only win they've had is this win on the publishing deal. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I, but I, I'd like to ask you, David, though, is, I mean, what happened here? It, the fall started? People start doing deals. I'm just trying to figure out the timing. No, I mean, I think that's a great question. I don't have a specific answer for you. Um, there's always things that companies are considering. In the case of Abiumet, I understand that it was J and J acting proactively. Yes, uh, very much there. So. Uh, they debated so, by other acquisitions. They were trying and, very much to get this. Thing you know, cold. if you're Abiumet, you maybe you're like, all right, well, sure. Well, well uh, now you're not getting your all-time high. No. To the point of, of these growth stocks. And that was a very important thing. Go back, this stock thing. did trade above 400. That said, you're getting do. your 52-week high. Um, but you're done, right? You're getting all cash, oh. and then that, you know, you're, you're on your way. So. Johnson Johnson is a unique company. They, it's almost as if they, like, watch us. Or li- they listen. Uh, and, and they realize, well, wait a second. We're splitting the company, and we're not giving people enough so let's find another acquisition. We have so much cash to make it so this deal's even more attractive, which is one of the reasons why 
yes, the stock is down, but people have to rethink how much the company, two companies are worth, Carl, because that's what this is about. It's about the split and making the med tech portion of the split better. And they've done that. All right. Well, let's assume M&A uh, continues its uh, maybe slightly accelerated pace. Right. There's seasonality. Right. Uh, there's, uh, there's buyback demand. Are you... Do you think the last two months of the year are going to be better than the first 10? Yes, I do. Now, obviously, I mean, this is one of those things where uh, Jay Powell obviously plays a big role. But I keep thinking about that Mike Wilson call, that inflation is going to you – know, remember, he's fire and I, you know, I've seen fire. I'm saying fire That's and fire rain. That's fire and rain, yes. I'm not going fire and ice. I'm going fire and rain. The rain will make things grow in the spring. Uh, because what will happen is, yes, we'll get inflation to go down, and then we will not have the earnings disappointment that he's looking for. I just don't see it uh, because I also think the dollar is not going to be as strong. Um, David, you may think that I'm whistling past, I don't know what. What am I whistling past? Stadium? Stadium? Stadium. Well, at Graveyard Stadium. For you, I mean, Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, that's the, is Philadelphia. that what City Field has I, become? Yeah. Well, I, was, I was trying to figure out where you were going. Yeah, well, Thank I just you felt that. it was important just to really just put it Sorry serious. that your game got rained out last yeah. night. Yeah, I know. I was at the I was at the chopper. I was ready. Two you were minutes, ready to roll. Two minutes to, to take off. Well, at least you didn't yeah. take off. You know what? It's 9.09. What have we not mentioned? Um, what have we not mentioned? Elon Musk. Thank you. Well, yeah. We're going to get to that. Let's do China really quick because oh, really? okay. uh, we got Eunice <laughs> lined up. Well, now we've I mentioned got, Elon. I got sidetracked. Yeah. I got we've sidetracked. at least said his name. I got so sidetracked by a private company that means absolutely nothing. <laughs> China is <China's laughs> very interesting because the big issue has been, and I, David's chided me on this too, among the many things he's chided me on, mm. uh, is that I continue to believe that President Xi is trying to find a way to be able to change his zero COVID. I understand if Pfizer reported today. That he has been able, that he, that the country has been able to reverse engineer via, via traditional stealing of our intellectual property, their own mRNA vaccine. So they do have it, is my understanding. But what happens here is that once again, Americans get sucked in. Well, not just Americans. Uh, B of A says luxury is outperforming yes. uh, European stocks this morning by the most since May. Right, LVMH, which had a great quarter anyway. You can do that. Richemont, you can do. Uh, these are all good ideas because it looks like that they've opened up travel restrictions. David, what's most interesting to me They is, haven't done anything. By the way, no, let's no, just make the point Eunice here. You. Maybe this we is can pure, talk to Eunice Yu. No, I listened, I listened to Eunice's last report. Well, we will get Eunice again. Basically are and she said that this is, these are social media posts that haven't been confirmed in any way, talking about a potential reopening in March of 23. Uh, and the foreign ministry denied, essentially denied it. Uh, not, they, not aware. They not aware. aware of such a committee. Look at LVM. Well, they can actually just. And so let's just race. remember, this is pure rumor and hope. Well, this is rumor just hope. and hope is all you get out of China, because believe me, they don't want you to have any more. China and the supply chain of Apple are the two things you'll never get. Well, it would be a huge departure from some of the video we're getting at Shanghai Disney uh, overnight. Let's get Holy to Eunice Yoon and find out more about what we know about this uh, so-called committee, Eunice. Yeah, well, you know, if I may, I'd like to jump in because, um, as you guys were saying, these uh, these posts were unverified. But if they are true, if there's any truth to them at all, the interesting part is that the committee is supposed to be led not by a scientist and not by an economist, but by President Xi's chief propagandist. So this is the guy who has been charged with um, coming up with the Chinese dream, Xi Jinping thought. And what China needs 
in addition to some sort of a medical or technological solution, such as a Chinese mRNA vaccine, Jim, that you were talking about, but also they need a new narrative. So the Chinese Communist Party would need to have some sort of new narrative, and you would have this guy, if this turns out to be true, um, as the chief propagandist coming up with some sort of idea. And what was interesting about the foreign ministry uh, reaction was that when the foreign ministry was asked about this particular report, uh, they said, oh, we are not aware of it. But now in Chinese state media, there's no reporting at all of the response. And it's currently not yet on the foreign ministry website, which suggests that there's a lot of sensitivity around the way they present this information to the Chinese public. Well, okay, Eunice, I want to go back over who the person is that's in charge of this. Now, the chief propagandist, that's a post that we don't have in our country. They did have it in the Soviet Union. Um, Isn't it rather odd that you basically have the person who's meant to spin things to be in charge? Because I think that 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 could lead to uh, people getting very excited about China if they wanted to, buying back their stocks. But why not have a scientist? I don't. A cheap propagandist would indicate to me uh, uh, that, that the narrative needs to be changed. Uh, uh, let me just call it. A cheap propagandist lies like hell. And what's the point of a propagandist? That's what they do for a living. And why don't they have a real person? No, but you would. So, so, <laughs> so the the guy in charge, he is seen as being very successful because he's come up with the concept of the Chinese dream, which is being marketed as sort of the Chinese version of the American dream, right? And, um, and that's been going very far. Xi Jinping thought has infiltrated everything. Um, I'm actually even studying Xi Jinping thought just to be able to uh, read the papers and whatnot. But, you know, it's, 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 it permeates everything. And so because of that, it's, it's, it's a political place. So you not only need to be able to champion your own technology and with President Xi, you know, this whole, you know, he's very nationalistic. This whole messaging since the 20th Party Congress has been about how China is so successful. We don't need those foreigners. And in fact, this propagandist, he's written a couple of books where he's been very anti-American and he's been uh, trying to market and messaging quite, quite often that China, Chinese youth are too American, that they've been too westernized and that the only way that China could rise yeah. and be much more um, successful is to be... Chinese and to embrace China. So, so therefore, we need a Chinese solution from the Beijing perspective. So that means an mRNA vaccine that is homegrown or that it's at least marketed as homegrown. And then also they would need a narrative to change what the narrative has been up until now, which is that those crazy Americans have been, you know, lying, as in Chinese speak, like lying flat, uh, slacking off, letting the, the, va- the virus spread everywhere. But we're the ones who really okay. know and, and take care of our people. Well, they have to change that well, now. Is, uh, like and so President I think Trump you could potentially... Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> this is the Peter... They're Peter Navarro, right? I mean, President Trump... And, and Eunice... Is that, why is that, why is that? No, that's not. Yeah. Eunice, I just... <laughs> you know, a lot of investors are trying to make decisions based on this. And obviously, we showed a lot of uh, the stocks that are moving yeah. up. What is your best read, then, in terms of when we might get some level of clarity as to whether there is any truth to some of the posts that you were referencing. I just asked this question to the, the taxi driver that I had yesterday. There you go. And he said, what I'm going to say, I dare not guess. <laughs> I dare not guess. Because, I mean, the most optimistic people think that it, it could come in March uh, just because there is 
you know, some, you know, there's a huge, another political Congress then that by that time we'll see who the premier is and who have all the, the kind of the, the leadership positions from the, the government perspective. Um, so there are people who say, okay, it has to be that. And also just because there's been such a squeeze on the economy. So a lot of people think that we have to have uh, some sort of lifting. Um, but, but it's also, you know, the other benefit for President Xi of having all these COVID controls is that you are very, very um, easily able to, to track people. And that's another big benefit um, for this regime. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, the oh. p- power of the state. There's no doubt. Eunice, thank you for that. We mentioned uh, before we went to Eunice some of the video that came out of Shanghai Disney Gym where they had to suspend operations to comply with the prevention measures, but literally kept people in the park until they came back with a negative test. Just astounding. Well, was it three tests is, over 24 yeah, hours? Tests, or yeah, well, because you get it. I mean, look, I was had I had a PCR test with someone at 10, and they gave it to me by five. So I don't think that's wrong. Let's just go back over. I mean, I think cheap propagandists. Let, let me, you know, I call that person a dissembler, so to speak. But I mean, they need it. They have a narrative which just says basically you can you can conquer uh, COVID by just being locked down. And this has to change the narrative to being, you know what, you know what's even better? Our homegrown mRNA, which I am told is simply that they managed to get the intellectual property, stole it, which is good. Because when I say good, because it's better to have mRNA than not. Let's just say they appropriate it. And, and they got to deal with, what do you do if you told people the way to beat this is no vaccine? Perfect. And now you have a vaccine. So I think what you need is a propagandist. Outside of the state infrastructure. Exactly. To start moving political right. opinion. But I think when we think of propaganda, we think about other regimes that we didn't really appreciate. You're like silent. I am silent. I'm just thinking about those poor people stuck at Disney, Shanghai Disney for... It's a, I mean, it's the worst places to be stuck, yeah, but still. Chief, yeah. it's a real small world after all. Guys, we'll get to the president here uh, blasting big oil yesterday and floating this windfall tax on energy giants as they report some big profits, more of them on deck today. We'll get to Uber, SoFi, Pfizer, Lilly, and talk about Airbnb, AMD tonight. Don't go away. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. BP with a quarterly profit of $8.2 billion. That's ahead of expectations. Saudi Aramco, a 39% jump in Q3 net income to $42 billion. That all comes a day after the president raised the possibility of a windfall tax on big oil companies, blasting them for not doing enough to lower prices at the pump. Oil companies' record profits today are not because they're doing something new or innovative. 
The profits are a windfall of war. I think they have a responsibility to act in the interest of their consumers, their community, and their country. To invest in America by increasing production and refining capacity. If they don't, they're going to pay a higher tax on their excess profits and face other restrictions. Jim, you talked about this with Andrew uh, before the top of the hour. Yeah, it's very difficult because let's say he's trying to address gasoline prices. Should the tax therefore be on refiners? Should it be on the marketers? Should it be on the station owners? How about if, should it be on the majors? They do everything. Or should it be on companies who just produce oil like a pioneer? Um, where does it start? And then, let's, David, a lot of what's happened with the oil companies, they invested heavily, okay, in order to be able to get oil. So let's say, let's call them Amazon. Let's just use, just use, use this. Amazon invests heavily uh, at a price of, say, $50. And then they're selling things at $100. Their profit is $50. Should they really be selling things, therefore, at $75 in order to give the country a break? I mean, uh, when does it stop? Um, uh, you know, we tax, just tax everybody? Is, is that logically consistent? What do you do? Do you tax EOG? I mean, I think that the president has to be more specific. I also think that if you were to sit down with the oil companies, you would realize, you know, they're not uh, all the same. And the refiners are where the profit margin is. So I just don't get what he means when he says the oil companies. Um, yeah, it's a, those are all fair points, not to mention the chances that you'd actually be able to pass a windfall profits tax are very minimal, right. you, very minimal. You know, Jimmy Carter lost his second term, and a lot of people feel that one of the reasons he did was he kind of convoluted this windfall tax. We didn't really know what it was. Uh, it has historically been a mistake, but it would be great to figure out where. I mean, because is it Valero? Is it Chevron? Or, I don't know. I, I agree. Did you pick, pick them out of that? I agree. Meanwhile, that Saudi Aramco number, 42, I mean, well, also we, 40, 40 billion we, plus in free cash flow. It's incredible. Why don't we those tax numbers. Saudi Aramco? Just say, listen, we'll put a 50% tax on you, MPP. How about we go against all the foreigners? We're going to lower gas prices and make the Saudis pay for it? Look, you think I'm the chief propagandist, and I think we ought to go after <laughs> Well, we did top 12 million barrels a day yesterday, uh, yes. according to government data. That's a post-COVID high. Take a look at futures. More squawk on the street in a moment. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. We mentioned the bond rally, pretty much uh, universal around uh, global markets this morning. Ten-year did get back to about 394. Don't forget, that was a, uh, a number more like 434 uh, just a, a few a couple months ago. Uh, and we got the dollar down for the first day in four as well. We'll see what the Fed decision brings tomorrow. In the meantime, we'll get an opening bell in about four minutes. Uh, let's squeeze in a mad dash. We've got an opening bell a few seconds from now. Uh, chips. Yeah, now you often ask me what's the key to this market. I'm going to give you two keys, all right? NXP, semi. And on center. Why them? Because the markets had an aversion to any semiconductor. These are two that have to do with autos. They were good. If they go up, maybe there's a sea change. Semiconductor. Toyota still dealing with a lot of uh, chip shortages. 
yes. in terms of its production numbers. Uh, they, uh, they trend production again. It's uh, persistent for Toyota especially, but even Porsche this week, Jim, said they expect it to last through much of next year. Yes. Now, my understanding is that both Ford and GM will not have that problem and that they will have the chips they need. But NXP and One have done their best to meet demand. I've not heard anyone complain about them. I have heard endless complaints, but I've not been able to get them one. This is my band. I haven't I haven't checked in. But the endless complaints are always about Texas Instruments. That they are the ones. And now, I, look, I have to like Texas Instruments. I want them to come on. I'm inviting them on to our show tomorrow morning to say, how are they doing making chips for people? We'll let you know how that goes. Yep. Uh, that's the opening bell and the CNBC real-time exchange. It's RxO today celebrating its spinoff from XPO. CEO is going to join us on Tech Check later this morning at the NASDAQ. It's Invecta Diabetes Care Company. Jim, I don't know if you saw yesterday, uh, J.P. Morgan gaming out. What happens if it's 75? What happens if it's 50? They said if it is 50, least likely, but probably 10, worth 10%. To the S&P. Yeah, I, I don't know about these if, because what happens is if you get a very hot number on Friday, you'll, it looks like that the Fed's lost control of the narrative again. So, I mean, I just think it's, David, it's a dicey thing to do 50 and then have a hot number on Friday. Mm-hmm. That looks like that, you know what, we're really political. Well, what about, I mean, is this market banking on some sort of a pivot? Do we yeah. need some... Signs, language. I think the market's looking for stable wage and then consumer price going up. And that's two different elements, and we only have one element coming on Friday. We need to see wages stabilize to go down. And we also need to see unemployment go to four. This is from uh, James Gorman, uh, the CEO of Morgan Stanley. He said unemployment going to four is kind of magic. We're going to get jolts in about half an hour. Well, that give us one last really incremental clue uh, before we get the decision tomorrow. Really we didn't touch on Uber, Jim, with the EBITDA and revenue well, beat. Well, I thought that the interview that Andrew did was, was exceptional because what happened is that Dara very early on sent a critical memo saying, you know what, we have to pivot. No more. We just can't just constantly be going for revenue growth and pleasing these growth funds. That game's over. It's ended in November. So we have to start going for EBITDA. Uh, one of the things that I think has been most, uh, let's say, uh, disconcerting to me, Carl, is that so many companies have come public in the last few years who do not share that ethos. And those are the ones that keep going lower, uh, particularly, by the way, the SPACs, which don't have, seem to have any interest in showing EBITDA. Right. And that's, you, know, you want your stock to go higher. Dara's just giving you the playbook. And SoFi, same story. Uh, EBITDA exactly, revenue exactly and raising right. the EBITDA guide. You know, that was that was Anthony Noto. I spoke with him a couple weeks ago. I said, Anthony, you know what the what the street wants. This, you know, this is kind of like a moment of truth. Do you want to continue to have your stock go down and go for growth, or do you want to go for EBITDA? David, the SoFi number was, was very good. Now that you can say, well, of course, look at the stock is. But it was good. Well... Good is better than what they've been doing. Is that like good is better than bad? Yes. I guess that is what I was saying. Well, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. You don't? Well, it's a little simplistic. But <laughs> Sometimes I think it pays to be simple. I've, I've staked a career on it. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Thank you. It's okay. Um, 
Are we done with Uber? Because you're right, it is I impressive. Think we covered Uber. We uh, haven't done Lily yet. We act as if Lily didn't happen. Now, how's that? Yeah, the split between Lilly and Pfizer today is kind of interesting in terms yes. of guidance. Yes, and I think that Pfizer, Dr. Borlas in the catbird seat right now. Because uh, of the COVID revenue. Yeah. And Much they, above estimates. Yeah, and what will happen is, is that that will solve their uh, loss of exclusivity problem that people always worried about in 2023 to 2024. Uh, Lilly, I think, is ridiculous that it's down. Why? Because it was currency. Uh, their major drug uh, for obesity is on uh, is granted fast track. That's terzepatide. Uh, the problem that they have is that they have this new drug, Monjara, which is actually taking business from its own drug, Trulicity, and they have a currency issue of $300 million. We are urging people in the investment club, and I'll do this in my 1020 meeting, if you don't own Lilly, this is your chance to buy it before you get what I think will be the greatest, maybe the one of the greatest drugs of all time, a drug that will allow you to lose 20, a minimum of 20 pounds. You know, they, they've got this drug, Monjero weight reduction, 24.7 pounds at 15 megs. And that's what's uh, being in, that's what's in front of the S&P. I mean, obviously the S&P is right in front of the FDA and it's rolling. David, if you can lose 24 ugly pounds, other than cutting off your head, so to speak, <laughs> No, if you can lose 24 pounds with a drug, do you not have the possibility of the greatest drug of all time? Um, that would be a bestseller. Right. So yes. now the stock is down big because uninformed people. Uh, what's who, going on? I mean, you, you've been talking about this drug. We've been talking about it. And in fact, points. Rick's has come for on our. 150 great points. And he's come on our. All right. So it's already been reflected to a certain extent <laughs> well, no, in the stock. No, you then. can't reflect. David Rick's. I'm not talking about even his Alzheimer's formulation. Right. Which they don't talk about because they don't want to give people any false hope. I'm saying that if you have an obesity drug, a drug that is for diabetes, but the comorbidity obesity, and obesity being, as we know from COVID, being perhaps the greatest reason why people died from COVID, but I know a lot of, it's like, for instance, Botox. Botox was not originally meant to make you look younger, but it has that effect. This will make you look thinner, and you will be thinner. And people are selling it down now. Why are they selling and it down? And potentially healthier as a result right. of being that, thinner. That's a uh, um, they, oh. they, they, But look at that. Obesity is one of the key risks for well, heart failure. Heart failure, yes. And that's the, a different deck that we're yes, looking but, at. but, you know, people want to sell it because they read the headline. The headline says shortfall. They don't mention the $300 million. Uh, Forex. Lord, and yeah. they don't mention the fact that Trulicity, which is a diabetes drug, was cannibal cannibalized by their, by their own drug, but it's it gets sold, and I want to urge everybody who's not a member of the investment club to sell the damn, their damn heads off, okay, so that my investment club people can get in at a better price. That would be, that's a, I was No, I know, I was just, I was jealous of your slides of Abbey Med. Well, because yeah. I, I know, I used to, I had them on, this is from when I had them on. By the way, James oh, like okay. my... Well, it wasn't from this March. morning. They oh, liked, it's June 24th. They, they liked okay. my March presentation. They did. Yeah, and it was actually, I, I understand, could have been influential. In the, your, your pitch deck? Um, pitch you've got, deck. You got several Should pitch we, decks. Let, but uh, please we, sell Willie. It's important because I intend to get people from our investment club at the greatest price imaginable. Everyone who's not in the club, I want you to sell your darn heads off. Uh, J&J shares are, uh, we talked about this deal. They're, no, they're flat. They're flat. Why They're not even down. Why don't people sell that stupidly like so many people sell Well, first sell of all, it's not stupidly. a stock deal, so there's no there's no ARB. There's yeah, no short still, in the acquirer stock. You know, it's all cash for Abbey Med. 
You can see what that stock is doing, trading right at the price. Why? Because of the presence of this contingent value right that is going to kick in in a value of, of as much as $35, but that's over a potentially seven-year period as certain milestones yeah, are hit. Let's talk about those. Uh, and those milestones, yeah, there they're any number of them at certain periods. But there's one um, that's just plain commercial, David. But they hit it's not tradable. It's, it's, you know, potentially not seeing the money for seven years, so a lot of people don't care about that for obvious reason. As for the deal itself, though, as I said earlier, appears, uh, based on what I've heard, that J&J was the proactive party here, came to Abiumed, said, we want to buy you, setting themselves up for having, a, you know, even more robust uh, product line in this area in particular, where they don't have anything, Jim, but in, 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 uh, in this area well, uh, for when they split in med tech, let's call it's it. It's for this Impella uh, heart pump. Which is going to be next year. You're going to get a new company, the consumer company called Kenview. Sales must exceed 3.7 billion by fiscal year 27. Yes, I mean that's why you get 1750. Correct. It's a very novel formulation because it really creates tremendous incentive. And by the way, we're at a billion or so right now, so that is banking on a that number of different big. approvals. Obviously, continued growth as well for uh, some of their current uh, devices. Um, but you're right, and so you know, again, that we'll have to see over time how that how that deal. plays out. But it's all about the split. And it's about and 16 I, it, times revenues is what they Right, but it must be, and people have to understand, it's about the split. Yes, of J&J. Yes. They have MedTech and, and they have actual pharma. And they want everyone to recognize that the MedTech pharma is going to be the fastest growing large cap pharma company in the world. Which, you know, you're against Merck, you're against Pfizer. Hey, Dave, did you see this? I thought this was funny. I bumped into David Simon last week at Bill Ford's. David obviously. Simon, the, uh, the... I was going to say, it's yeah. about to t- looking to take out its uh, summer highs. Yeah, and you know, everyone was saying, be careful of their dividend. And they were right, because he raised it. <laughs> he $1. raised the dividend. $1.80, he was telling me, I said, just, you've given him, you've had about $33 billion in distribution. $36 billion, you know. But David Simon was incredibly cordial to me, even kind. Was he really? Yeah. So he can be a somewhat irascible fellow. No, no. This was like, it was like a, a, a Tarsus, you know, kind of thing. I, I remember sitting with him at a dinner at some, some investment bank, and he's got seated next to me. And you know, about halfway through salad, he's like, I'm out of here. No, no. Well, this time it was really, maybe it was because it was such a great engagement party. I was, I was like, like, is it something I said, I, I David? Think, no. I think it's important that he raised the dividend at a time when many people thought he was going to cut the dividend. See, there's a lot of counterintuitive things. People want to Do sell we have early. Simon Property Group? It's worth looking at that stock. Yeah. Now, well, look at how cheap the stock um, is. You know, obviously, this is one of the larger REITs out there. We've also talked, though, about Remember, the non-traded it's REITs. Shopping such mall as, yes, REIT. Yes, shopping mall REIT. Look at that. During, uh, obviously, the early days of COVID, everybody said that's the end of that. Um, yeah, well, no, not, has Simon, not been the case no, he would really uh, like at all. Simon. But that gives you a larger look at, at how the stock has performed. Very of course, they do have a lot of A malls. And it's the B malls where we talk about um, real challenges, real challenges. The, uh, the uh, Dunwood Federal Realty, which is shopping center, is equally as combative. And they told him, they meaning the street, that he should cut his dividend, he raised his dividend, because those businesses are very well run. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the Tanger, very um, well. Kimco. These are all the public REITs. Again, I've talked a lot about Blackstone's REIT, the B REIT with Almost $70 billion in assets that have come in over time. But there they're not marking stuff to market every day uh, the way you're seeing with these. So right. a bit different. Be right. careful uh, in terms of, you know, B-Read is still up for the year. That seems hard to imagine. 
Um, but in this case, they are performing well. I, I think it's extraordinary because so many people were fleeing these stocks. Again, a testament to, uh, you want to call it capitalism? How about people who know how to run a business? Yeah. We didn't get to EVs on some uh, auto sales, a Neo, Tesla, about a three-week high. Didn't get to media. Fox is uh, creating a nice halo for some media names. Fox is, is performing well this morning, up 5.4% on earnings. Uh, also, though, a few things off the call to quickly share with you. Macro uncertainty, say it's still too early to gauge how much of an impact that uncertainty will have on local uh, market advertising. Encouraged, they say, by the continued positive growth they're seeing in automotive. How about political? Um, and yeah, and, and television, 8% revenue growth, 11% increase in advertising revenues, uh, record September quarter for political advertising. How much of that is Dr. Oz? <laughs> Some. And now Disney Plus uh, to offer subs early access to holiday and merchandise. I told you Disney was good. I told you we'd be safe in Disney. <laughs> yeah, not that's in Shanghai the, Disney. Yeah, that's from not the, in Shanghai. No, that's no. from the movie Witness, remember? I do, I do. I remember Witness and I know that. You like to quote that. I do. It was a great movie. It's on, you know. It was. We've got manufacturing PMI on the other side of this break. Uh, let's take a look at bonds, though. In the meantime, we showed you the 10-year down to 394. Don't go away. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Rick Santelli here live at CMEHQ with the first of the breaking news of this morning in the form of S&P Global Manufacturing PMIs, expecting a number to hover just above or just below 50, and it's delivering 50.4. So technically it's a bit better than expectations. And that follows the mid-month read, which was 49.9, just a whisker below 50. Now, this is uh, not anything stellar because in September we we're at 52.0 before we went under 50. And last month's half month read was the first read below 50, going all the way back to June of 2020. But it didn't survive. And we still have Jolts, construction spending, and ISM PMIs coming up at the top of the hour. Squawk on the Street return after a short break. Welcome back. A rare win for the Department of Justice in its attempts to uh, enforce antitrust laws, at least as it sees uh, that they should be uh, applied. Uh, judge agreeing with the Justice Department, which had brought a lawsuit to basically permanently enjoin the ability of uh, Random House to buy Simon & Schuster. Random House is a Bertelsmann company. Uh, this deal was done some time ago, back in 2020, always had um, a real question around antitrust. And while they may appeal, um, they lost. Uh, and in fact, there is a $250 million payment that may go to Simon & Schuster. That's a Paramount unit, by the way. Remember, still, still owned by that company. Uh, Jonathan Kanner, who runs the uh, antitrust division at the Department of Justice, saying today's decision protects vital competition for books and is a victory for authors, readers, free exchange of ideas. Going on to say the proposed merger would have reduced competition, decreased author compensation, diminished the breadth, depth, and diversity of our stories and ideas, and ultimately impoverished our democracy. Some big words there from uh, Jonathan Canner. But again, uh, you know, antitrust has become a very significant gating issue right. for uh for strategic uh, uh, buyers and or sellers, uh, although price these days probably trumps that right now in terms of why you might not get a deal done. Did you notice that the, the memorandum is sealed? Yes, what, I did. That, are you able to, I mean, are, not asking to break the law, but. I don't know. That what is in that memo? Yeah, I don't know. Sealed. 
You don't Is it know. Authors, what they authors made? Possibly. I want that. I want that memo. You want the memo? I want the memo. Fascinating that Stephen King's been at the center of that, and yes. going back and forth with Musk about how much users should be charged to use Twitter. Yeah. Well, let me just tell you something about Stephen King. I think Fairy Tale, as latest, is one of his best. I've heard somebody say he's the Dickens of our uh, of our generation. I, I've read every book he's written, and I will continue to do so. Uh, where did he come out in this, Carl? I'm just curious. Well, he, he said, I'm not paying $20 a month for a blue check. And then yeah. Elon responded and said, how about eight? <laughs> about eight. I want Stephen King right here. That's a big and price I, drop right there. You go and you read fairy tale. I know I'm going to have nightmares because I always do like with Dreamcatcher. It's just, I just love him. I, he, he's in your head. Yes. There's nothing like him ever, David. David, the tale Maybe just a, all that stuff. Maybe is, a dollar. Would you guys pay a buck to be verified to a month? Of Twelve bucks a year? No. Ten bucks. Ten bucks no. a year. It sounds reasonable. David, Ten dollars. It's a private company. Why do you care? Yeah. <laughs> um, we've lost a little ground from the open as the yields have reapproached four on the ten year. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Hey Bob. Yeah, we were, Carl, uh, briefly over 3,900. That would be a six-month high, a six-week high, excuse me. We're back down a little bit uh, below that, but still a nice little rally. I want to just show you, it's really essentially all risk on today. And what's risk on? Risk on is when uh, Kathy Woods, our kind of leads the pack. That's risk on. Semiconductors lead, that's risk on. Uh, metal stocks lead, that's also risk on. You look at that, here's the other big story today. China's rallying a little bit. Though. That was multi-year lows on that China ETF there, but these vague rumors, you know, that they may uh, change the COVID lockdown procedures, as strange as all that sound, uh, is lifting that sector there. So it's definitely risk on here. If you look at the, what's interesting to watch is the VIX keeps coming down here. Now, it's been down almost every day for three weeks. It's rather remarkable to see. And the reason this is dropping, look at that, is because we're about to get the election out of the way and the Fed meeting out of the way. Those are two big uh, impediments, two uncertainties that are about to get uh, um, uh, moved away, essentially. Uh, and with the market rallying here, the VIX is moving to the downside. In terms of the leaders, this quarter, boy, it's pretty obvious energy stocks are leading here. We got new highs, essentially new highs uh, uh, on most of the big names here. Chevron, Conoco, Hess, Exxon. Let's not quibble about a half a percent or so. These stocks are all essentially at new highs. You saw President Biden blasting the oil companies talking about a windfall profit tax. I'm not particularly big on that idea myself, but it's pretty easy to show that these companies have made big profits this year. This is just the 2022 estimates versus 2021. A simple comparison. Look at these 150% increases, 130, 138%, 70% for EOG here. Another way you can tell companies, the oil companies are making outsized profits is energy companies are only 5% of the S&P 500, but they are 12% of the profits in the third quarter. That's very unusual here. Most sectors, the earnings and the market cap, they're pretty close to each other. Like healthcare is 15% of the market cap, 15% of the profits. These are pretty outsized profits that they're generating here. Another way to look at it is Exxon is generating so much of the profit of the S&P that it moves the S&P. So the fourth quarter, the estimates for the S&P are up 1.6%. But if you take out Exxon, it's only up 0.6%. Exxon itself is 1% of the profits for the S&P estimates uh, in the, in the uh, fourth quarter. So all of that at least provides some ammunition. You can clearly see why they're making these points, even though windfall profits tax are probably not going to go through. Finally, guys, you mentioned the Penguin story uh, as a 
a recent author, uh, I'm very aware of these numbers, something that came out of the Penguin trial was some of the numbers on the book publishing industry. Only 35% of all books published are profitable. There's about 60,000 a year. Only 35% of the books are profitable. And 4% are the ones that make all the money. 4% of the books make more than 60% of the profit. So Carl, David, Jim, uh, as a guy who just wrote a book, uh, I can tell you it is a difficult process. And the book publishing industry makes no economic sense at all from a purely economic perspective. Carl, back to you. Uh, Bob, I know you've been yes. watching that deal closely. Uh, that's our Bob Pisani. Jim, what's on tonight? Oh, well, okay. Well, I want to have small, you know, companies that don't really have payment. So I have Eli Lilly, I have Kroger, and I have Airbnb. Uh, yeah, that's a B. It's a call, B lineup. They call me the booking magician. You are a booking magician. Really but I'm is. not a theft booking magician. Uh, well, we could, uh, I beg to differ. Those are three big stories. Oh, I guess I better go to work. It's my wife's birthday. It is. Happy birthday, Lisa. Yes, it is. Lisa's birthday. 35. <laughs> Jim, we'll see you tonight. Bad Money, at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. When we come back, Goldman's chief U.S. equity strategist, David Costin, is going to join us talk about the market, which is currently up about 100 on the Dow. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.